In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. December 24. Um, and while normally I'm so excited want... for Christmas tomorrow. I know, me too, <laughs> Amy. I can't. We're recording this live. Live on Christmas Eve. I can't believe it. It almost Ooh, feels you... like it's not Christmas Eve. <laughs> I know. Can you hear like the sound of I can hear the uh, reindeer. Sleigh mm-hmm. and the reindeer and the, and also just like kind of the sound and feeling of like joy and happiness in the air Uh um it's just so infectious um we are we are absolutely not recording this uh basically three weeks before christmas no 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 uh we would never do that we like to live in the moment we Mm -hmm. hate spawn we love spontaneity (laughs) you know because i know that when people ask me they're like sarah what is like one of your top favorite things? I almost always answer spontaneity. Yeah, that you seem like that type. <laughs> like you I seem love it like you're so really like much. fly by the seat of your pants. <laughs> like don't you never nail anything down? Like you really no no. Mm-hmm. I really hate planning. Yeah, it kind you hate of it. Bums me out. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's so we're being funny, haha. Well, welcome to humor, everyone. Um. But sadly, I don't like being spontaneous, and planning has gotten to be a real bummer for me. So it's like Ooh. everything is rough <laughs> these days. I kind um, of get that though, because I feel like I'm a little similar. Like I do, I do also don't like spontaneity. Like if you're gonna make a plan with me, you better tell me like days in advance, co- so yeah. that I can and like never, mentally prepare. Never, never, ever <laughs> say the phrase surprise party to me <laughs> Ooh, i'm gonna throw you one um but yeah like i if someone were to like just like day of or like be like want to hang out right now like generally that just does not work for me because i need like I know. time to like again mentally prepare but at the same time planning also not my strong suit <laughs> <laughs> it's a real it's a real catch-22 that one <laughs> Um, so, hello everyone, welcome listeners to the Christmas finale of our Christmas series. I'm so sad we can't just continue doing Christmas. Well, we have New Year's Eve next week, uh, so we're not fully out of the kind of seasonal experience. Um, but I am Sarah Walsh and I'm here with my co-host and sister Amy Walsh. And before we move on (laughs) to what we are going to be talking about this week, um, uh, 
Amy, you unearthed something. Yeah. In your email that I feel like is really a good, like, in the name of Christmas, <laughs> let's share this with the world. So yeah. what did you find? So I found um, a little nugget from 10 years ago. I found our mother's Christmas list that she sent us. Um, oh, boy. And I did, I found it quite amusing, the four things in all the world that she could ask for. <laughs> and I mean, granted, yes. 10 years ago, and even now, it's not like she was asking, like, the Rockefellers what she could have for Christmas. So, like, I get it. I mean, but, Amy, this is, this might be the opposite of Rockefellers <laughs> as a list. Like, No, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, maybe <laughs> if, like, it was her dream list she was sending to, like, someone who was rich, maybe it would be different things. I mean, I know that both you and I were, like, really poor <laughs> 10 Christmases ago. Yes. Like, more poor than we are. I mean, maybe yeah. we're now, maybe we've finally gotten into lower middle class <laughs> at this stage. Um, Let me be clear. But, me on my own is poor. <laughs> I am um, lucky that I, uh, you know, uh, married someone who is good with money, but me alone is pretty bad <laughs> with yeah. money. So, so I think that is an important context to yes. this email. Yes. That 10 years ago, I was in graduate school and had been for a number of years, so I had, like, zero monies yes. whatsoever. And I was working for a children's theater that paid $500 a week or whatever. I can't even actually remember. Right. So this is her list, though. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. Number there's four things on the list. Number one, wind chimes. You heard that right. Wind <laughs> chimes. Okay. I almost spit out my tea. <laughs> and doesn't everybody ask for? Okay. The number two is my fa- my personal favorite, and I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know how to like unpack this. She wanted. <laughs> I can't read it with a straight face. A bead. <laughs> a bead. <laughs> For those bracelets that have all the different beads. <laughs> I legitimately oh don't know what oh that no. is. Stop. I can't. I can't. Oh, my God. Please don't choke. Please don't choke because I am not anywhere I where I can I purposely, you. I purposely kept my tea down because I didn't want to get stuck in a bad moment. But, like, oh, my God. So... I really Last don't know what that is. No, like, what I is that? I, I can't even picture what that item is. Is or that why she thought we would know what it was when she was Maybe we did. Maybe way. 10 years ago we did. That's what I'm curious. I'm trying to remember I what that know. means. Is that a charm bracelet? It sounds like what she's trying to describe is a charm bracelet, <laughs> but I'm not totally sure. But okay, so this particular description is also like really pinging with me today because last night I watched um single all the way stop it stop it for real are you kidding me why would that be a joke because I I also because a I also watched that last night and I didn't finish it (laughs) but I started watching it and I talked about it with mom today and she literally asked me have you watched single all the way yet (laughs) so what is going on with this movie (laughs) I, I mean, clearly Netflix is like, hey, women who are just weird and odd, you probably want to watch this movie about two gay guys who are in love at Christmas. Oh, my God. Um, okay, but, so single all the so, way. 
So I was watching that, and like Kathy Najimy is the uh, is the version like she's the boomer generation mom yes. person. And she, when she is talking, she is saying things like, I want a bead. <laughs> she says, I want a bead bracelet. for those bracelets that have all the different no, beads. No, <laughs> but she says, she says those things that are exactly like in that vein. It's like, who's that guy that I like? You know, yeah. the one in that movie. The you one know? with the three <laughs> names, you know, like Joseph Levitt, Gordon Levitt. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, or like, oh, what was it? She was like saying something about how she wanted to find Facebook and she's looking at her phone and she's like, honey, where do I find Facebook on my phone? Like, Oh my God. Um, you know, so like, that's why this particular description is hitting me so funny right now. Cause I'm it's like, a good I one. Just saw it's like, so, and that's, I don't know. Like, yeah, that was, that's like, the best part of the list is that one. I mean, yeah. and then the, yeah. th- the next two is just a bird ornament for the tree, which, okay. Um, Our mom really likes birds and yes. bird ornaments, so that was a thing. Yeah, a, and a GPS for the car, which I said when I read this list was, I'm pretty sure we went with the GPS. <laughs> yes, I think we did, because, like, one, I think we probably both were like, if I don't know what the fuck you're sure, talking about with the beads. <laughs> yeah, if we're not sure what this bead thing is, we are. We better not get it. Yeah, like, and a GPS, I think probably at the time, like that's it. Also shows how the how this list is dated. But like, I feel like at sure. the t- at the time, it probably would have been like. I think it was a good the gift. more exciting gift. Right? All those other things don't really sound that exciting. Like I get that she was like trying to be frugal with us, but like. Right. I don't want to buy someone I a mean, bead. I don't like here. Here's a bead. <laughs> That's just sad. No, no, mom. I'm actually so fucking poor. I can't afford the entire bracelet, but I can't get you. This I'll get one you a bead. bead. You know what? I'll do you one better. I'll just get you instead of a bead. I'll just get you a bean. I'll just like buy a can of beans and just give you one because I can't afford anything. <laughs> like, Mom, I'm so poor. I just bought you this packet of Bic pens. Yeah, seriously. But I split it in half because I needed half of them. (laughs) Oh, man, that's our own Christmas tragedy. (laughs) Yeah. Past years. Yes. Oh, my God. Inside joke, everybody. Um, Oh, God. I'm actually, like, tearing up from (laughs) this laughter. It's, like, too much. So I do, I implore everybody, if they can find a Christmas list in their email from 10 years ago, it's... It's pretty good. Um, Be it your own Christmas list or from someone else. Yeah, like, it's a nice I little time capsule. <laughs> like, it, yeah. And it's funny, too, because, like, I'm, like, in my life, 10 years ago feels like a long time ago, but also maybe not that long ago. But, like, certainly in technology. You're like, oh, yeah. Well, a GPS that was, like, I remember it was, like, separate. a separate thing yeah. that you had to put into your car. Yeah. And now it's, like, it's just on my phone. I'll just look at it. Like, or or if, you're, or if you're fancy, like, it's literally in your dashboard of your car. Like, um... Well, right. Yeah. You but would I never... Don't I don't think, even... I don't even think GPS is in your car the way... Like, because now you don't need it because it's in your phone. Like, well, I'm yeah. Like, sure cars get made with that. Like, that... Because that was the next step. I think they that do, was like... absolutely the next step. I think Teslas and stuff, you put in the coordinates and the shit, oh. like, into the, your car, and it'll talk oh. to you, like, like your phone does, but it's... Or it's all Bluetooth, and it's through your phone. I don't actually know, but, right, like, right. I don't drive cars, so I don't know what, like, new cars I do. I haven't for months, and it's been glorious. Yeah. And even if you did, I'm... 
ju- only guessing that you probably wouldn't be driving a brand new one with like all the bells and whistles. Right. right. So uh, anyway. Uh, well, Jesus Christ, Amy, that was <laughs> that was a Christmas gift to me. Yeah, you're welcome. Now, to like lift my spirits. It's been kind of a little bit of a tough past few weeks. And so like Oh my god, I haven't laughed like that in so fucking long. That was great. Good. That was I'm 100% glad. great. Good. I'm glad I I'm glad I randomly was searching through my emails for <laughs> bullshit. I don't even know how. I mean, and the but the best part about this is not simply that you were looking through email, but that that email was so important. I starred it. I don't you know what started it and you kept it starred for 10 for 10 years. ass years and it's a even full I, decade no, i just realized decade. too i don't even use gmail properly clearly because like i just realized also it's starred and it's got the little flag of importance <laughs> so i like <laughs> i like went all in on like needing to remember mom's christmas list that day in november 2011 clearly was a what in red the letter hell day. was i doing in your email Whoa. and you had to let people know. Yikes. Um, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> that is like, that was like some of the, let's see. I think the past five minutes might be the best five minutes of content we've ever created. <laughs> just reading aloud our emails. Let's, we're going to do that. We'll do a segment every week, week where we just read our most exciting emails. Read old emails. See what happens. Um, I mean, old ones could be funny. They, some of them could. Yeah. Certainly. You have um, to pick and choose. Okay. So now. <laughs> <laughs> Shake it off. Me, my, me, my, mo, mo, mo. Um, top of the teeth, tongue in the lips. <laughs> like, uh, we need to now turn. Red leather, the, yellow leather. <laughs> bees and carrots, bees and carrots. But no, that's when you're on stage. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, so. <sighs> I actually really do kind of need to compose myself. Okay. Because do you want like me to tell really... everybody what we're talking about today? Yeah, that would be great. Okay. So as she composes herself, we're going to be talking about today uh, a little, if anyone has listened for the past year, maybe some will remember we discussed um, the Christmas episode of Doctor Who from, I believe, 2006 last year. Um, mm-hmm. Today, we're going to be talking about the uh, 2007 Christmas special called Voyage of the Damned. It is season four, episode... Is it episode zero? Is that what you wrote? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, And it aired on Christmas in 2007 in the UK. Um, Yes. Go ahead. No, that's it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, it aired in the U.S., because it's all the way back from 2007, even before that hilarious email we were just talking about, <laughs> um, it didn't come out in the U.S. until April of 2008. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah, lame. Because we're still in those days, like, streaming nothing is oh, happening. Oh, yeah. So, oh, that's lame. Like, yeah, it's just a different time. So this is fully, like, I, this is probably a very stupid question. This is, like, fully a BBC show? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and episode zero just means, because this becomes a tradition um, for Doctor Who to have, like, a Christmas special. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what the zero indicates, is it's always, it always falls between whenever the previous season ended and the new actual season is going Got to begin. it. Okay, got it. Because basically, um, the newest, and we'll, I'm going to talk a little bit about this in a second, but, like, 
Doctor Who has been on for a very long time. The newest iteration has been on since 2005. And um, the 2005 to the present version is um, serial, right? Like it's, okay. it's meant to build on mm-hmm. everything previously. But the Christmas episodes are it's always all separate. meant to be standalone. Yeah. So I have to be honest, what, and we, you don't have to go into anything that we discussed last year, but I have to be honest, in watching this uh, literally a year apart from the other one that I watched, I was like, I already don't remember any of the things Sarah taught me about the world of this <laughs> show. <laughs> like, I was like, I forget kind of what his damn deal is, but it's it's fine. We don't have to, like, get into it, but... well. I, that doesn't really surprise me because when I, I looked at the outline from last year and I think I, I didn't do as much of like just kind of setting up like here's the premise of the thing and here's some background information. I didn't have any of that uh-huh. um, in the outline from last year. So we probably talked about it kind of in the context of the show. Yeah. Um, but maybe, I mean, let's face it, you're not going to remember what I say this time either. No, but, true. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'll try, um, but... Not, so, I can't guarantee it. Uh, so I will say a little bit more than I did last time about the show. So okay. um, because we didn't really talk about this as like a kind of long-standing science fiction property, which it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, like it's it is the longest-running sci-fi series in the world because wow, um, there's a there is a hiatus, but. The it's basically the same because it's all under the auspices of BBC. Mm-hmm. So it first started airing in 1963. Oh. And then basically ran from 63 to 89, which is already a, an exceptionally long yeah. run. Wow. Um, and then there was an attempt to kind of bring it back um, in the mid-90s. There was a TV movie from 1996. Okay. And then there was the relaunch... That began in 2005 and has been running since That's then. That's always with this cast. Now, would you think, or would not you say... Not always with this cast. But, oh, okay. But is not David Tennant the whole time? No. Oh. Oh, yeah, you wrote right here. Wait, 13 Doctors. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Now, would you say so, that British people... <laughs> do you think British people like sci-fi like or do, or do you think that that's a that's not what I meant what I mean is like do you think that I don't know how to ask this without it sounding like um I'm not asking do, do, do British people like sci-fi what I mean is like do you think that's a popular genre there for any particular reason or any reason why oh. this show may be like um, so hit there yeah um yeah, I I wouldn't say that any culture or persuasion of people like the genre more than anybody else. Um, <laughs> because this show, our podcast has shown that it seems to be much more about the individual person than it is about the culture. Oh, for sure. Such. Oh, definitely. Because um, <laughs> I, I think, I actually think I like my kind of like dumb answer to my own question is I feel like it, this show, the sci-fi kind of piece apart from it is so very British in every other like aspect of it. Um, So I feel like that's what 
people like about it is my guess. Um, like the well, yes, it has a very British sensibility. Yeah, and I've never really seen any of that first round of stuff from the sixties to the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, but my guess would be that it would be kind of in the vein of Red Dwarf, which we've spoken yeah, about, yeah. and is a British one. You know, so like a little bit. I mean, same as British humor generally. I yeah. tend to find it a bit sillier seeming. Yeah. Um, a little bit more wacky, um, verging on the stupid. Yep. Uh, and, and that sensibility comes into this show. Um, even this episode we're going to talk about, I mean, it is very British and it's meant to be so, um, I think it always has been. So I think that's why it's appealing, you know, in various ways. Um, but it's also really creative. So like to go back to something you just asked about. Um, David Tennant was the person who originated the role of the doctor in the relaunch. Okay. Um, so I think he was the doctor from 2005 to 2009 or 10. Um, and it had already been established in the show that the doctor is the same person, but uh, they are not necessarily always in the same body. Oh, because that's funny, right? So, okay, so because actors all, have to come and go, that's why. Well, yes, and in fact, it was written into the. So initially, let's see if I can find this because I I looked this up before and I wanted to know. So where are the? Here we go. That's um, actually a brilliant way if you like work on some show where you're like, ooh, we don't know if we're gonna how long we're gonna have this actor for. Let's just pretend. <laughs> Well, that so they can the, jump into different bodies. Well, so and it and this grew into a main part of the show, but like, so the original first doctor was an actor named William Hartnell, okay. and the reason that that changed, I mean, and so he's only the doctor for the first three seasons. I have to assume the show was already quite popular, so they were like, we have to keep going. But William Hartnell was quite old and had like he basically left for health reasons and so they had to recast um and the next one who is the second doctor is played by patrick trotton um i don't recognize either of those names (laughs) well there's no reason that you should because this is also like again we're moving into a world or we are in a world now where like kind of all content from everywhere is like semi-simultaneously available yeah. to everybody. Yeah. Um, and it's, and that's especially true if it's like English language or like if it's if you speak the language of the thing that's being released, you can get that quite quickly, you know. Yeah. Um but basically uh so they go through these first three doctors. The third is John Pertwee. Um and they have and they kind of like build up to this concept of regeneration um and that is then ascribed to so the doctor is also an alien okay i did sort of Uh, forget that and he's a type of alien called a time lord okay and so then um so we so after the first three doctors, we start seeing the term regeneration being used, and specifically that time lords can regenerate. Then, um, in the kind of late 70s and early 80s, we start to see that there's 
a further kind of element added to this, which is that the Time Lord, that Time okay. Lords can only regenerate 12 times. And then, and then after yeah. that time, they die, basically. So WTF. But now you'll see in this outline that there have been now 13 people to play the Doctor. And this is like what's been... So this is like the new thing. The newest Doctor is actually um, a woman. Uh, Jody. What is her last name that I forget right now? Jodie Whittaker is the, is the current Doctor. Oh, really? It's a, um, it's a woman? Yeah, and it's the first woman to play the Doctor. Um, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, and so that's why uh, when I've been talking about the Doctor, my pronouns have been sliding around quite a bit um, because <laughs> up sense. until this time, the Doctor has always been he. Mm-hmm. Um, now when you read some of the descriptions of the Doctor, they are referred to as they. Oh, okay. Um, but it's it's a very mixed bag. Yeah basically. Um, and I think, hold on. Uh, no, it doesn't really explain like, yeah, I don't really know how they've managed to explain, uh, how he, how the doctor has now had 13, Mm -hmm. um, changes, but Anyway, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, this is just so we can kind of imagine the world that we're living in, but it's mm-hmm. not super relevant to this particular episode. Okay. Um, the other thing I will say, so not only is this the longest-running sci-fi series in the world, it is often considered to be, like, the most successful. Yeah. In terms of ratings and sales, you know? Mm. So, like, the longevity <clears throat> of the thing has engendered quite a lot of money being made as well. Okay. Um, and finally, uh, fans, and I couldn't remember this, fans of Doctor Who are sometimes referred to as Whovians. I so like that. That kind of reminds me, that seems very Christmassy because it reminds me of yeah, like the Whoville. Yeah, down in Whoville. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Um, so the cast for this particular episode um, is, the, and this is from that first relaunching era. So the Doctor is played by D- David Tennant. We've also spoken about previously last year, so we don't really need to mm-hmm. talk about him again. Um, the main reason I chose this episode, and I had, I think I had seen at least some of it before because I sort of remembered bits of this. Uh, the next character is named Astrid Peth, and that's played by a 39-year-old Kylie Minogue. Love that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and that was mainly the reason I chose it. I was like, I want to see this Kylie Minogue one. <laughs> um, and... Like, so you had heard of her before. I had. It's funny because I was telling Isaac that we watched this episode and I was like, and Kylie Minogue was in it. And he was like, who? And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, what? Who? And I was like, she's, you don't know Kylie Minogue? And, and then like, you started singing Love at First Sight. No, I like, actually. recognize this? <laughs> no, actually, I was like, I can't believe you don't know who Kylie Minogue is. He was like, well, the name sounds familiar. And I was like, well, to be honest, I can't actually think of one single song that she does. But <laughs> like, so I couldn't pick, I couldn't pick out her. I couldn't remember her songs. Her song goes like, everything went from wrong to right. And the stars came up, filled up the sky. Oh, okay. Music they were playing really blew my mind. It was love Oh, at first sight. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Okay. That was her big, I mean, she's a super She's had a big, lot of other stuff. I know that, yes. like, I know that I've had multiple uh, Kylie Minogue songs, like, in playlists and what. I just couldn't 
think of any off the top of my head. But um, yeah. I was actually really impressed with her acting, though, to be honest, like for a pop yeah, star. I thought she job. was like a good actor. Yeah, so she is Australian. Yeah. Um, massively a big deal there in terms yeah. of the pop world. She's been around since the 80s. Mm. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, and also, like, this is one of the things. I was just saying how, like, if you speak English, you often get access to the same content. And that's true, but also not entirely true because um, there's, like, the British Commonwealth that mm-hmm. kind of has its own little uh, world of entertainment. And so that so she's really popular in the UK, too. Okay. That makes even sense. Even though she's Australian, right? Yeah. Um, and she just released in 2020, like, a really great, like, disco-inspired album that really? I personally really love. Yes. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Um, so she's still at it. She's great. The thing that, oh, that I didn't know, and, cause she, there's that scene where she stands on the box to kiss the doctor in this. Mm-hmm. She's only five feet tall. She did look kind of little to me. She is a little small. But I don't know that, I don't know that I would have guessed that small. She's like wearing those big tiny, boots, I guess. But yeah. tiny. <laughs> she does look small, but it's, yeah, that small maybe I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, it's always, I always think, like, because they also say that, too, like, people in um, TV and movies are actually generally on the shorter side. Um, they do tend but, to be, I think. I mean, obviously, that's not a blanket statement, but I think um, there's also just, like, so many camera tricks that they can do to make right. somebody, to manipulate what size somebody comes across as. Right. Um you know, they always it's make the, the jokes of, like, Tom Cruise being really short and the fact right. that, like, they they either choose really short ladies for him to work with or they put him on, you know, boxes Blocks and stuff. and things. Yeah. I mean, it's the same experience as when you, like, have only met someone on Zoom and then you meet them in real life and you're like, huh. Oh, my God, you have legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, not just that, but also, like, I don't know. Like, I, it's not as though I had an idea of how tall or not you were. But, like, this is, okay, this is, like, now information I never had before. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, the other thing, unsurprisingly, we've talked about neighbors before. If you're an Australian who's kind of made the jump into the big leagues, you've probably been on Neighbors or mm-hmm. Home and Away, which are these long-running soap operas there. Okay. And she was on Neighbors. And then, we've talked about this movie, I think, before. Um, <sighs> she also appeared in Biodome. Holy shit. Like, was she the, a lead in it? I, was there anybody else I mean, in that movie? I can't remember. As I, I rec- as I recall that Polly Shore vehicle from the early <laughs> 90s. Uh, Classic. I, mm-hmm. I believe it's a bit of an ensemble cast, and yeah. I think she's a part of that, but okay. I don't remember wow. for sure. So I really didn't realize she had, not that necessarily Biodome or Neighbors were, like, quite my you know, jams specifically, yeah. but I didn't realize she had done acting stuff or that she was like part actor, if you will. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, next we have a character called midshipman frame. Um, this is another guy who I recognized right away. Cause he's like kind of been rising up in British TV for quite a number of years, actually. Mm. Um, his name is Russell Tovey. He was 26 in this. Um, I realized, because when I was looking at that, it said he was born in 1981, 
And I was like, oh, so he's my age. And then I was like, oh, but he was 26 in this. Oh, my God, time is passing. And I'm, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I was having a real problem with that when I was doing this outline. Did you think Um, you were 26 for a minute? No, I didn't think that. I know I'm not 26. Uh, but it's more like I didn't want to believe like the distance between 2007 and sure. 2021 was as long yeah. as it obviously is. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> it, let's not because I, 2007, I graduated from college in 2007. So that is disgusting. Oh my God. Woof. I don't like hearing that. Oh my God. <laughs> That's um, gross. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, he did an appearance on Poirot when he was quite young. Mm. Then he was on a show that I somehow caught um, that was called Being Human, which was a British show that then also they kind of tried to make it a U.S. version as well. Mm. Um, And then he also reprised this role as Midshipman Frame uh, in a different Doctor Who episode from 2010. Mm. Oh. Um... He had an appearance in Sherlock uh, in Hound of the Baskervilles, actually, and it was pretty good. And then he's been in the American, like, weird show that I got into for a while called Quantico. And then he's got, this guy, Russell Tovey, has, like, a bunch of stuff, like, that's set to come out. Um, Okay. So I think he's doing pretty fine for himself. Um. The next character we need to know is named Max Capricorn, and that's played by an actor named George Costigan, who was 60 when this sh- uh, this episode aired. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not recognize any of his credits. Um, yeah, I don't recognize any of the stuff you wrote I got here. the impression that probably for a British person, he would have been fairly recognizable. Sure. Um, because he's got a lot of, like, one-off TV appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that I most liked that just appeared on his credits is he had he was in something called the riffraff element yeah i'd love to know what that is i i just am because he's british i'm just assuming a lot of street urchins (laughs) that's what i'm picturing um maybe like an updated artful dodger scenario (laughs) of some type i'm not sure yourself (laughs) he's just like on the street Oh man, I'd love that so much. Um, and then he's also in something called "So Haunt Me." I also love the sound of that. Yes, um, because I think I can't remember if we've discussed this on air or not. Like we've both talked about, like if there were such a thing as ghosts, like who we would come back to haunt. Oh hell yeah! And and yes. how we would haunt. I think, and I think it would. <laughs> We can go down a rabbit hole here, but like I would haunt people in different ways based on sure. how they Your were feelings to me about life. them. Yes, yes, of course. Because like course. I, for for example, I think like the way I would haunt Isaac would be like very, in my opinion, it would be like jovial, but it'd probably be scary. Like I'd <laughs> like play little tricks or like it'd be like funny. Like, but some people who, there are some people I might, like, haunt in a mean way. More seriously. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I. So I I wonder if that show was just people talking about how they want to haunt people or. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, like, I can envision a lot of ways that would go down. Yeah. Um, then we have a character 
named Foon Van Hoff, um, who's played by an actor named Debbie Chasen, who is 36. I mean, Foon Van Hoff, I don't hate it. I'm not hating on her, but it's quite the name. <laughs> it is quite the name. And let's face it, like, first names, all names, all human names are made up. They're just, that's it. True. Like, um, Yeah, so and they all sound weird if you say them enough or think about them enough. Just Amy, like if Amy, you just. Amy, Amy, it means nothing now. Yeah, like any word, if you start saying it enough, you're like, wait, do I even know what that means anymore? Yeah. I've lost it. I've lost yeah. it entirely. Um, uh, she is someone who's kind of been circling around the British TV scene uh, for quite a while. Um, and that's really all we super need to know about her, other than the fact that um, she's a she's like quite um, adept at languages. Uh, she speaks yeah, French, Russian... German, Spanish, um, in addition to English, obviously. Um, That's and impressive. Then her husband That's works. That's a skill I wish I had, I'll be honest. And I, you're bilingual, so, like, good for you. But um, I'm trilingual. I'm a polyglot. Are you really? What's the third yeah. one? Portuguese. Oh, yeah. That's impressive. I'm even more impressed with you now. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah, no problem. So get on it. Learn French and Russian. <laughs> uh, and German. Like, yeah. yeah, to match her, I would have to learn three more, which is kind of tough. Um, <laughs> but also I found intriguing that her husband is described as being a, quote, writer and tarot card reader. Um, hmm. And I don't know if that tarot card, like, because writer, I'm like, okay, so maybe that's his profession. But tarot card reader, is that, like, his hobby, or is he also a professional, is like, that fortune a thing teller? That... Hmm. Or does he, like, that's interesting. I like it. It's a, uh, that sounds fun and cool. Yeah. I mean, they probably have a cool home life, is what I'll say. Yeah, I could picture her being, like, even though, like, I know this character is, like, supposed to be quite like quirky but I could picture her in real life being like quirky <laughs> I guess yes. is the right word yes. to say yes yes there might not be a long distance between yeah Foon and Debbie as yeah yeah case, yeah maybe. yeah um the final character that we need to know um who plays kind of a so there are other characters we'll come across as we go but like these are the ones that are kind of like the most important to the story and how it works mm -hmm. um is a mr copper played by clive swift who was 71 when this episode aired um he was someone who as i often sometimes have like really felt strongly like i recognized him but then when i looked at his different things it didn't really jump out at me like what i would have recognized him from yeah some um, people just have those faces you know well and he was in a bunch of british tv yeah and i do watch a fair bit of that especially in like the crime procedural realm mm. and i know that he was on you know like morse and um midsummer murders and like these kinds of things so i'm like maybe that's how i'm not midsummer totally murders sure. that sounds good uh, it's Midsummer, spelled M I D S O M E R. It's a okay. part. It's like a place. It's a place. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he already appeared. This actor, I mean, Clive Swift, appeared in some earlier episodes of Doctor Who in 1985. He played a character um, that I imagine the name is pronounced Jobel, but I don't. 
Oh. Totally know. Um, so this was not his first go round with Doctor Who. Got it. Um, so now let us kick off and talk about this Christmas episode, Voyage <laughs> of the Damned. Um, and when I was putting together this outline, you know, like sometimes I'm surprised about how much time can be filled with not much story. Yes. um and that's not meant to I'm not implying that I didn't like this I'm just saying like the right there's a lot of business yeah the ratio like this outline is actually relatively short considering the show itself I think was uh, one hour 11 right like wasn't it yes I looked at it many times oh boy uh (laughs) no I just like that's just my own it wasn't that it was bad it was just that's my own that's your own neuroses. personal cross to bear. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, guys. I feel like there's a lot of weird, like, references to Jesus already in this episode, and that's not purposeful. Uh, but I guess it's But it is the day of his birth, so. Indeed. It is the eve of the day of the his eve. birth. The um, eve. So get excited, I suppose, everyone. <laughs> um, so we begin... In the TARDIS with the doctor, the TARDIS is making some bad noises. It sounds like maybe it's in trouble. Um, and then, uh, you know, who's to say who's at fault? But the, the the there's a boat that then crashes into the TARDIS, like in through right. the wall. And a boat in it, the sky. Let's a boat in the sky. A boat in space. Yeah. Um, and what's the even weirdest part about this? Once the crash happens. Um, the, the thing that you wrote here, I guess, is what I'm assuming. Yeah, well, he sees that the, um, is that thing called a lifesaver? The circular thing? I believe so. Okay. I don't, I mean. (laughs) I'm just trying to remember. I know there's the candy, I know there's the candy lifesaver. I know, I guess that is, I guess that is what those are called. Really? They're not called, anyway, those, that thing, the lifesaver, um, says that it's from the Titanic. Oh, sorry. It's life preserver. Life preserver. Excuse okay. me. <laughs> but I mean, that, I mean, technically, that's it's, the same thing. Yeah, but I've seen, yeah. It, I'm looking now online, and it's both life preserver and lifesaver. People are okay. saying both. So okay. anyway, anyway, I don't so it feel says like Titanic. Such an idiot. <laughs> well, no, I just like that for some reason that seemed sounded strange, but also sounded right. Um. Anyway, so this lifesaver, life preserver. It says it's from the Titanic. So that is curious, to say Indeed. the least. And the doctor looks at it and is like, what? <laughs> um, and that's when, uh, oh no, the credits haven't happened quite yet. Um, then the basically the TARDIS finds its way. I think this is what happens. It wasn't totally clear. I think basically the TARDIS ends up inside the Titanic. Yeah. Um, and so then the doctor uh, kind of walks out of the TARDIS and into this fancy, like, reception for Christmas. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's a Christmas party. Uh, and he learns that he is on the space Titanic. Um, I loved that. I will say this whole bit of the Titanic-ness of it all, I enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it is the Voyage of the Damned. We probably should have expected this. Um, but it is a fun turn of events that he's on Space Titanic. Um, and then we get the credits. So this is our little cold open. We're like, how is he on the Titanic and what is about to happen? (laughs) 
Um, and then when we come back, we are on the bridge of the space Titanic. Mm. Um, and the captain uh, guy, the, the character is called Captain Hardacre, I think is how you would say this. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got his crew there. And um, I was having, clearly, what I was having was a mental break when I watched this show because I couldn't remember the word for bridge, so I kept calling it the steering place. Um, I would have, I probably forgot the name of that. Um, but so anyway, um, he's like, well done everyone. Uh, what you, it's like going to be Christmas Eve soon or something. Why don't you all go down and get like a drink of rum? Like tell, you know, tell someone that I've said it's okay or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and they all head out, but midshipman frame remains and the captain is kind of trying to shoo him away, and mid- the midshipman is like, oh, but, like, uh, the protocol, the rules say at least two people have to be on the bridge at all times. Mm. Um, and the captain is like, ah, yes, I suppose you're right. You're so, you know, like, diligent as a new You're person so there. good. It's like, said it yeah. like that. <laughs> he should have said it like that, but then I guess... <laughs> That would have been giving it away maybe too yeah, early so. <laughs> what's about to happen. Um, but he does seem weirdly agitated that mm-hmm. this guy is such a stickler for the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, then we were returned back to this like fancy um, reception area. Um, and the doctor is watching this video loop um, where we first see Max Capricorn... Um, as rendered in, I guess it's meant to be sort of like a holographic thing, but anyway, basically it's just an ad for his cruise line, and we, now we're on this space cruise, so we know Gotta love a good space cruise. Indeed. I feel like cruises on the ocean sound bad already. Yeah, space cruise, I take back exactly what I just said. Space cruise actually sounds like my nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, like (laughs) cruise on ocean already a bit of a potential nightmare situation um if you add the terrifying nature of space travel to that not yeah Yeah, you're right not good and because also the thing like in most space things that we watch or in like sci-fi things where it's like they're in a spacecraft two things tend to be true there's not that many people aboard a thing like it's not a big crowd of dumb dumb people um and if it is a larger crew they generally all are somewhat at least versed in space travel and -hmm. like how to do stuff to and with the ship like they know maybe they don't all know how to fly it but you know like they're all versed in that in this world i feel like something catastrophic happens which i guess it does end up but like 90% of those people are useless. Yes. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um so then we just are getting kind of establishing parameters of the story. The doctor is looking around, he sees that the ship is uh not only does it have like kind of human people who are working to keep everything going along, they also mm-hmm. have these like angel robots mm-hmm. is the best way I would describe them. Um <laughs> They're golden, uh, and they're in white robes, and they're called the heavenly... And they're terrifying looking. They're terrifying looking. Uh, They're called the heavenly host, um, 
And they are basically kind of like, um, I don't know, like sort of AI android things. Yeah. So the doctor asks them, so because they're meant to provide various types of information to the people on the ship. Mm-hmm. So the doctor first asks one of these angels, like, what's the point of this trip? And it responds that the cruise is meant to show these people from Stowe, primitive earth culture. Um, then he asks, why have you called this boat the Titanic? Um, Fair question. Yep. And even better answer, because it's the most famous ship associated <laughs> with planet Earth. Yeah, I uh, love that. And his response to that was, I think, was a great, like... Maybe this is British humor, but it was just good humor. He was like, did anybody look up why that is? <laughs> right, right. Well, and that com- we see this again, too, that, like, the understanding of what Earth is like um, is very patchy for these people. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so this is only a part of that, which is mm-hmm. they've chosen the most famous ship, which perhaps the Titanic is indeed the most famous. Um, but, of course, it's famous for crashing <laughs> and yes. killing a lot of people. Um, and for some reason, in the process of asking these questions, this angel android thing starts to kind of, like, short out, and the crew comes in and takes it away. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they, we see a brief little scene where other angels have been put into this weird, like, holding area, and the crew is like, something weird is happening with these, but we're not totally sure what, so we're just putting Mm -hmm. them all right here. Mm-hmm. That will become important important soon. Um, next, Astrid shows up. She is in a French maid costume for some reason. Um, yeah, I did not get that. But but I, I guess, went with it. Like yeah, I mean I like, she's okay. she's clearly like you know she's a server on the ship. She's working at this reception. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks to the doctor and tells him that she's chosen to do this job because she's like a person who's just wanted to have um adventures throughout the universe see the stars um they really hit it off right away Mm -hmm. um and so then the doctor then also gets introduces himself to Foon and her husband Morvin um and they don't stop eating the entire time no they're eating they're (laughs) I mean the other thing is is like again like this is a slight difference between maybe not that slight, but, like, uh, British stuff and American stuff, um, class differences are really quite pronounced uh, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true, I mean, that's true here as well, but, like, everyone kind of wants to seem like they're all middle class, even if they're not. And yeah, like I think it just pr- presents itself differently here. Yeah, you know? um, but basically like Foon and Morvan are portrayed as standing out amongst the crowd who is at this reception and it's because they're understood to be like lowbrow poor types. yeah um, which I guess makes sense why they're eating they're like excited right, about all this fancy food they're eating their asses off and like, <laughs> like this is the end for us um and they I think they said they won a contest or something yeah to get yeah yeah Um, and then there's, like, some kind of a raffle situation, or I don't totally know, but then Foon, Morvan, the doctor, um, and a few others have been selected to take a tour of Earth's surface. So that's, like, the excitement. Mm. Um, uh, then, uh, where are we going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go down to Earth, um, and they go in the company of Mr. Copper, who has described himself 
as a, an historian of Earth. I love uh, that. Which I was like, the idea that me and this guy are somehow in the same profession. You're the same people. Concerns me greatly. Uh, are you an Earth scholar? I, I guess I am, technically, <laughs> yes. I, in many ways, I am from Earth. I yeah. am a scholar, and I study things that happened on Earth. On so the Earth. I guess there you go. I am. Um, but he clearly has gotten some of his signals crossed because he's describing uh, Christmas as a violent holiday that Earth people celebrate, <laughs> and specifically where people in the UK fight what he describes as turkey people. Um, and I think I love it, that. I wasn't sure if he meant like is that the country, the country oh. of Turkey. Like no, I think he thinks that turkeys are people. Do they not have animals? Like, well, they certainly can... don't know. Probably that turkey is also a bird. I mean, the joke relies on that. That it's like <laughs> this is about a turkey dinner, not about the country of Turkey. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, he also explains. And boy, oh boy, would this be a interesting uh, film to watch. <laughs> uh, that Santa is and Mary are married. They and should make a Christmas movie about that. <laughs> um, I never really thought about Mary being Mrs. Claus. I love or that. Or Santa being God. But yeah, I mean, that I do understand it makes- someone from not Earth thinking that, yeah the way we adore both of those people in particular well, and especially then also if at it's, christmas right well then also if like santa is god then all the children of the world are jesus like what is like it's all our birthdays like what's happening well the the birthday the jesus part doesn't enter in even remotely mm. well uh, i think to his could. understanding but it could you could do something with that i suppose um, anyway so then they all head down to Earth. They're on a on a um, London street, um, mm-hmm. and Mister Copper is explaining that he's arranged to have a credit card, an Earth credit card, so I that they that. can buy whatever kind of tchotchkes they want to buy <laughs> uh, to remember their time on Earth. Um, and all of the people from Stowe, they they go down on the street. It's lighted up for the holidays. It looks quite mm-hmm. lovely. Um, they all think it's great, but the doctor is like, but there is no one here. There is no one on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he immediately thinks that something is wrong. Um, yeah. and so he goes to talk to the news agent, the one person on the street, um, to, to know what's up. And this is a fun, I liked this a lot because he's like, Everyone has left London because for the past two years, there has been an attack from space on London on Christmas Day. So they've all bugged the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that because I didn't I didn't know this, but I assumed because I didn't remember what the hell we watched last year. But I assumed that was from the last two Christmas specials, Mm -hmm. some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the one we talked about last year was also the one that was pre like also previous to this. Where it was like that weird space spider star woman. thing, yeah, yeah, the star, and then the spa- and that star was carrying the spider lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, that was funny. I did like that little. That was funny. Yeah, I thought that was a nice like callback mm-hmm. to episodes past. Um, and then uh, everybody on this tour gets called back. So this the other reason this kind of scene is important 
is because it establishes that they can do teleportation. Um, yeah. But, but the best to, part of that was that the guy, he was like, oh, this terrible thing happens at Christmas. And he's like, don't worry, nothing will happen this. And then he disappears. <laughs> right. He just disappears into thin air. Um, and to do that, you have to wear a br- special bracelet. That's like oh, okay, what makes okay. the technology work. And this, again, that bracelet thing will become important for later. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we return back to the ship. Mr. Copper is very apologetic because he was like, there was some sort of strange power fluctuation on the ship, which basically automatically triggered us mm. being pulled back. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when there is the fun reveal that there are a bunch of meteors heading toward <laughs> space Titanic. Um, which seems like you should have known that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and just as the doctor is working this out in this reception room on the bridge, midshipman frame also notices on like their monitor or whatever that meteors are coming. Um, alarms are sounding and he's like, and the captain seems totally nonplussed. He is not interested in doing anything to, like, change this situation. Um, And so then the doctor calls up to the bridge, and he's like, I'm not sure what's going on, but, like, meteors are coming. You need to raise the shields. Um, Midshipman Frame says that, unfortunately, the shields have gone offline. It's not clear why that's happened. Um, I think we can infer that... The captain has sabotaged various systems, and that's yeah. what's happening here. Yeah. Um, because then the captain pulls a gun on frame and is basically like, um, you weren't supposed to be here. Um, I was told that everyone on the crew would be an old man. Um, and you're like, what? That seems like a weird detail to provide. <laughs> um and then he goes on to say that, like, he has only something like, oh, yeah, he's got, like, six months left to live or something. And so he has been paid quite a lot of money uh, to crash the space Titanic. Yikes. Yeah. History repeating itself. <laughs> well, I don't think the captain of the original Titanic was, like, suicidal. And oh, no, moved. I didn't mean it like that. I just meant that the Titanic is crashing yet again. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's... Uh, definite um so uh this is this is a big revelation for everybody involved of course um the doctor is like perceived as being a thorn in everyone's side so he's being like kind of ushered out by the crew um and then a small meteor breaks through the window in the reception room and I did like this because the way these angels speak is kind of strange. They say information and then they do something. So in this case, a little meteor comes through the window and one of the angels says, information, you're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. Um, so then the little meteor is like the start of the meteor shower that is then hitting the ship. Um, so the, so the space Titanic gets hit by a bunch of these meteors, um, and we see kind of a lot of, like, camera shaking stuff and, you know, the usual. Um, now you'll see in my outline that I had some trouble describing 
the setting of quite a lot of what now we're going to be seeing. So what mm-hmm. do I describe the the place where the, this next scene is taking occurring? Where where have I said it? Ships happening? guts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The engine room. I like ships guts though. I mean, because I kept calling it engine room, but then I didn't think it was because we didn't actually see an engine down there. It was just a lot of like gray. Like, it was. It was. I mean, guts is. And yeah. I I'm not like a sailor. What can I say? I didn't know what it, this place was <laughs> supposed to be. So ships guts seemed good enough to me. <laughs> I like it. Um. So now there's a relatively small gang of people who are with the doctor. Um, and that's Foon, her husband, Morvin, Astrid, Mr. Cooper, a kind of shitty guy named Rixton Slade, and a very small red man um, named... I didn't care for him. I'm not going to lie. I di- yeah. His name is Banna Cafalada. Uh, uh, I didn't care for his name either. <laughs> I mean... They, when they say it in their British accents, it sounded cute. Banna Cafalata. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and I think I also enjoyed, there was a gag where like, because this is absolutely what English speakers do all the time when they're like, that name's like a bit long for me. They're like, can't we just call you Ban? (laughs) And he was like, no, he absolutely, he was like, absolutely not. My name is Banna Cafalata. Like, just do it that way. And they're like, okay. Um, but so you didn't like the look of this, uh, person. So why don't you describe... Well, it's funny because he he calls him at one point. He says, you look like a conquer, which um, I maybe they call them that in England. I think that they do. And I don't actually know what we would even call them here. But he looks like those things (laughs) on the ground. He's he's red. Yeah. And he's got little spikes coming out of his face. Like, so there are those little things that you find on the ground. They're, like, circular, and they've got little, like, spikes. Oh, and that is what yeah. he looks like. like that come down from a tree. Yes. Yeah. That is what he looks like. He's just red. Yeah. And he's also a little person. Yes, true. That's right. I've heard so, so that's So that's the cast of characters we've got <laughs> moving through. That's what we've ship. got going on here. Lots happening. Um, and... At this point, everyone basically knows that this hitting this this is not happenstance that they've come across this meteor thing, yeah. Um, and they need to figure out what to do. Um, meanwhile, the doctor, like, so the ship because there are like actual holes in the hull of the ship, various like shielding has gone into place. So uh, the doctor and Astrid are looking out this whole in the ship and they see that the TARDIS which is the doctor's ship Mm -hmm. um is now free and is moving towards earth because according to the doctor the TARDIS is like programmed to go to like the nearest the thing with like the most gravitational pull so it's heading toward earth um then somehow they're able I don't I didn't fully remember how this happened but like they're somehow able to get in touch with Frame who is on the bridge still I'm pretty sure the captain has died in this crash, if I remember correctly, because there's, like, you know, a big jolt, and so everyone get, gets, like, mm-hmm. rattled around, and I think the doctor died, or the captain dies in that mm-hmm. initial um, impact. So Frame is the only one left in the bridge, and 
uh, he explains that the, the captain is clearly involved in this, that there's some kind of sabotage thing happening. Um, and most importantly, like, it's bad enough that they've got these meteor strikes, but it, I get the impression that the ship probably could have withstood that to some degree mm-hmm. or, like, withstood the damage that that inflicted. Mm-hmm. But the engines are failing, and so the ship is slowly sinking and will eventually crash into Earth. And oh, All the parallels to the real Titanic hurt my head. Yes. And now the real bummer, and this is a bit different, Space Titanic versus Earth Titanic. <laughs> when Space Titanic impacts onto Earth, it will cause a nuclear explosion. I mean, and, that's bad. And it's not clear to me, like, how big that explosion is. Like, they don't really clarify if it's, like, literally going to kill everyone on Earth or just, like, you know, within a certain radius. Um, but still, not great. Not great. <laughs> not great at all. Um, so back in the ship's guts, uh, the doctor and this group of people are kind of split up. The doctor gives each kind of little pair, I think they're broken into pairs, um, like a mission, a thing to do. Um, and meanwhile, the doctor's like, I'm going to try and get up to the bridge to help uh, frame and to basically stop the ship from crashing into the earth. Uh, so now they're in a recognizable thing that I understood, which is a stairwell. Um, uh-huh. Foon and Morvan um, are like technicians of some sort. So they're trying to fix, there's an angel that has ended up in this part of the ship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to fix that um, mm-hmm. because they're hoping that that angel will help them or provide information that they need to get through this. Um, because at this point, the angels have been acting strangely, but they are they have not gone full nuts as they will shortly. Um, all the various little pairings of people in this moment of the show... Um, have kind of heart-to-hearts with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and one of those heart-to-hearts involves Bana Cafalata and Astrid working together. And Bana Cafalata gets hurt somehow. I don't totally yeah. remember how. Um, and he reveals to Astrid that actually he's a cyborg. Right. Um, and this is important also for, like, the remainder of the story because yeah. on Stowe, in their culture, cyborgs, I can't remember if he said they've been outlawed or if they're just a very persecuted, marginalized group, but they are yeah. absolutely, like, he's like, you have to hide it from the rest of the group. If they knew I was yeah. a cyborg, um, you know, I would be in trouble. And so this is such a big taboo in their culture that the injury he sustained while trying to do some, they're fixing something. Um, like, he could survive it if he were able to recharge. Uh-huh. But he doesn't want to because then that's going to reveal that he's a cyborg to everyone else. Right. So he dies as a result of this kind of not wanting to let people know thing. Mm-hmm. So heartwarming moment, I guess. <laughs> um uh, then we see back on the bridge, 
midshipman frame gets a call from some survivors in one of the kitchens um and we, and he also has like um like a like a sensor or a scan that shows that there are quite a lot of survivors scattered throughout space titanic but then the survivors down in the kitchens they see the heavenly host a group of angels come and they say to frame oh everything's fine the heavenly hosts are here uh we'll be okay but then over the radio you just hear like screams happening <laughs> um and then frame sees on his scan that the life signs of the people in the kitchens are going out one by one um so this is the new reveal that the angels are now killing all of the remaining survivors on the space titanic yeah not good i knew that they i mean we knew it i guess coming in a little bit but like they looked ominous to me they looked ominous from the start certainly yeah but we shouldn't judge things by their appearance amy certainly not at christmas in particular well if there's a big giant ass angel that's saying stuff like information you're all gonna die yeah that wasn't like. a great start that wasn't a great start um so then of course the angel that foon and morvan have been working to reactivate then as soon as it comes back online, it starts attacking everyone in their group and they manage to eventually kill this angel or de deactivate it in some way. Um, and in the process of this, uh, it's also revealed, like the doctor discovers that there's a, there's a Brit, there's, um, what is it? Deck 31 on mm -hmm. the ship is completely shielded from all types of scans and blacked out from the rest of the ship. So he's like, I bet yeah. whatever, like, whatever is making these angels go nuts is probably emanating from this deck. So that's probably where we need to go. Mm -hmm. um, he also has a heart-to-heart -heart with Mr. Copper. Um, and he's like, you sure don't seem to know anything about Earth. <laughs> and Mr. Copper is like, yeah, I don't really know anything about Earth. <laughs> um, and I guess he reveals that, like, he kind of, like, uh, lied on his resume to get this job. And Mr. Copper's like, please don't tell anyone because if this were to get out, I would be thrown in jail as a fraud. So it sure sounds like the culture and civilization of Stowe is pretty rough. Yeah. Like, very intense. Because also, one of, I forgot to mention that one of the other heart-to-hearts that we see earlier is between Foon and Morvan, where Foon reveals she, like, basically spent all their money making phone calls to win the contest that got them on this ship. So, Stowe seems to have, like, a real, like, maybe punitive uh, legal system and certainly also seems to... Uh, operate on there being like the super rich people like Ricks and Slade and then everybody else being poor. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like Earth now. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, certainly like the good old US of A now. Rough. Uh, if only I could get on a damned, a ship that's cursed to fall from the sky or something. <laughs> um, but anyway, 
now the group has moved into this different part of the ship that I really don't know what this was supposed to be because as you'll see, I've described it as cavern with fire. That is exactly um, what it seems like. I really didn't know what part of the ship this was supposed to be. Like if it was like the reactor area or what. I don't even know what the um, F that even means. Well, like, because they said that the ship is going to cause a nuclear explosion if it crashes. And so I assumed that like maybe the thing that was powering the engines was a nuclear uh, reactor. Like from, okay, you know, like when you have a nuclear power plant, that's what oh, is sure, sure, in sure. there. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. So maybe that's what we're seeing. I'm not totally sure. It, to me, it actually looks more like that scene in Lord of the Rings where, like, everyone has to walk across that weird bridge, and that's where Gandalf says, you shall not pass. It kind of looked more like right, that right. to me. Right, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but it, it's not that, because it's not in fantasy or under the ground. It's in a ship, and it's a machine. Um but they have to cross this very rickety thing from one side to another. And Morvan starts to cross this thing, but the ship is still exploding. Like, the ship is still falling apart. And so as he's crossing, this bridge-like thing that they're meant to go over shudders, and he falls down into the fiery pit of the reactor. Not good. No, we're, I mean, people are dropping, dropping like flies. flies. Yeah. Um, Foon, of course, is devastated. Um, things- I'll be honest, and like, spoiler alert, I thought that he was going to come back. I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, I can see that you might, yeah. Because I was like, oh. Just because she was so upset, and I was like, this is dark and sad for a Christmas episode. He's definitely going to come back. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like a Christmas episode. And I forgot. So, Benicafalada hasn't died in that previous scene. He's just like, please don't tell anyone. I don't want to recharge. Yeah, okay. That's what I was confused about. But I didn't say anything because I was like, maybe I misunderstood that he died there. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Because then, so th- things are already rough. Because now the first one of their crew has died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't know what's happening. Then, as the explosions are ending, the heavenly host descend down from above, looking Terrifying. menacing as hell. Um, and basically, I'm not sure if this is true, but the impression I got was, like, this little group of people is now, like, kind of the only ones still alive. Yeah, I think um, so. So, like, they get all the attention from these alien killers or these angel killers. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so then the team is trying to, like, or the group, I should say, is, like, trying to figure out a way to, like, kill everything. But because Banna is a cyborg, he mm-hmm. reveals that and is somehow able to use his cyborginess <laughs> to short out quite a lot. Of the angels. Yeah, he, like, opens up his, like, jacket where, like, the cyborg robot's side of himself is. And he, like, shoots some type of, like, a robot ray at them yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, and, but in the process of doing that, basically it uses up all his remaining power. Yeah. Um, so now he, this is when he actually dies. So we get yeah. two deaths, like, really fast and I kind of thought he would come back, too, to be honest. And, oops, spoiler alert. But, like, cause, yeah. because they also took 
the chargey thing out of him or whatever. Right. They took a piece out of him and were like, oh, this will help us going forward, but, like, I'm mm. going to die or something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, because that's that thing. Oh, right, because then later they use that, like, whenever they encounter yeah. an angel, they can, like, Astrid they can, can kind of, like, that. hold it out. And then, okay. Yeah. I wondered where they got that thing. I, I missed that. Okay. Yeah. Um. So now, despite... Ben and Cafalata's sacrifice, one of the angels manages to kind of revive. And this is when the doctor starts asking it about, like, what is happening? What, it, like, who is in charge here? Right. Um, but the and angel does not reveal any of that information. Um, and then instead just starts kind of attacking everyone. Um, Foon, again... Uh, because of her devastation about the death of her husband, um, kills this angel by basically, like, throwing herself at it um, and, like, pulling it down into the reactor core along with her. So she commits suicide but brings this angel with her uh, to save the rest of the group. Uh, The group is, so now, three people less than what it was only a mere four minutes ago. seconds ago <laughs> um so this is when like they finally get to the other side and they go into a different part of the ship's guts um mm. and astrid and the doctor kiss um and she has to put herself on a box to be able to do that which is cute <laughs> um but basically uh the plan now they've cooked up this plan where the doctor wants to get to deck 31. And while he's down there, the point of, is that the rest of the group is meant to get up to the bridge somehow and try and fix everything that's going wrong. So the way this works out is that a, a, a new set of angels has found this group. And <laughs> Yay. Um, I know, like these things are running all over the ship. It's really quite disgusting. Um, and the doctor says, you're, you're programmed to kill, um, survivors and passengers. And they're like, yes. And he's like, well, I'm not a passenger, um, or like passengers and staff or something he says. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm neither of those things. So you can't kill me. And because they're robots, they're like, oh yeah, that's right. Um, so he's like, well, then what I want you to do is to uh, take me to your leader, is what he says. Yeah, um, and then he's like, I've waited so long to say that. Yeah, and so they, so basically he's like, take me to deck 31, this thing that's been yeah. hidden away from everything. Yeah. So we follow him to deck 31, and it's revealed that the, that the, what they, the angels have continuously referred to something that they're calling the ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. And when that authority is revealed, who and or what is it? It is that, uh, what's his damn name? Max Capricorn. Right. And what does he look like? Oh, fuck. Uh, I mean, he is a floating head in a box of wires. Like, yep. He's on top of like... I don't know He's like how a jukebox, like with a head. Kind of, yeah, because he is under that glass case. 
His yeah. head is under a glass case, and his head is affixed to... Some like weird-ass tubes. It's just like a, a roving rectangular, like it kind of looks like a file cabinet or like a, <laughs> a server yeah. cabinet of some sort um, with a head on top of it, and then that has a glass box all around it. Um, and we don't really know exactly what happened to him to have him end up looking this way, but he reveals that because he's a cyborg... He has had to hide himself for quite a long time while running this business of his, this cruise line mm-hmm. business. Um, this murdering people business? Well, that's the whole thing. <laughs> uh, the doctor tries to draw Max out to be like, what is your plan and what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And basically, the issue is that uh, Capricorn Cruise Line has been failing, probably has been failing for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Max has cooked up this plan where, oh, no, that's what it is. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Um, so when Max becomes a cyborg, his board of directors boots him out of control of Capricorn Cruise Line. And so oh. then he starts creating a revenge plot that is meant to cause the business to fail and to result in, like, the punishment of the various people who fired him. Um, And I guess it's also kind of implied that probably the cruise line was already failing as a business due to other efforts of sabotage that Max was involved Mm -hmm. with, but it, like, wasn't Mm -hmm. happening fast enough, kind of. Mm -hmm. And so he cooks up this plan... um, where whereby when this spectacular crash happens uh everyone responsible for capricorn cruise lines will end up going to jail okay on stove that's kind of his goal here and there's also some component where he's somehow going to get money to run away somewhere like all of that's supposed to happen um and the doctor is like, you're going to lose this whole gambit. This is so stupid. To which Max Capricorn responds, I never lose. To which the doctor says, you can't even sink the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, but basically, I, like, I don't know about you, and I'm not much of a Bond person in general, but like Max Capricorn has a real Bond villain energy in this. Well, I feel like... Well, and I kind of feel like Doctor Who has a bit of a Bond energy, though. Though he's like yeah. more nerdy, he's got that like British. I don't know if Bond is yeah. always supposed to be British, but he's he got is. that British like. And in this, he's specifically wearing like a, a, suit. a suit slash tux thing, and so he can like I never can get see the parallel. He's never like ruffled by anything. No, he's like always got a plan, even when it's literally everything's going back to crazy. Yeah, and in fact, like what really. S- drove this home for me is uh like when the doctor says you can't even sink the titanic uh max reveals that he has total control of the engines uh from where he is on deck 31 and he's like i'm gonna do nothing to fix anything and then he says let the christmas inferno begin (laughs) and i was like (laughs) oh my god that's so good um i will say that for well whatever we'll get to it but like 
the Christmas of it all, uh, it's happening on Christmas slash Christmas Eve, but the story itself isn't that Christmassy. No, not particularly. But um, that's fine. But specific, like, I think if I remember correctly, the reason Max says this, let the Christmas Inferno begin, is because the doctor is like, okay, I get this whole, like, you want to have revenge on the people who wronged you, but, like, you're also going to kill, like, lots of people. A lot of people, yeah. And he's like, I couldn't care less. Let the Christmas Inferno begin. (laughs) Um, Cool, cool, man. So this is all happening. Meanwhile, Astrid shows up. And she gets into, like, um, one of those little tiny, um, like, things you would use in a store, like, in a warehouse that's got, like, a little crane thing on it on the front. You know what I'm talking about? Those two, like, arms that can go up and down. You can, like, lift a heavy box and, like, drive it around. Uh, uh, Oh, like a forklift? Yeah, but, like, a tiny forklift. Okay, okay. Like, one that's just a small one. Um, Okay, okay. Like, she wasn't supposed to be there. She went down to help the doctor after, like, she and the rest of the crew shorted out the remaining angels. So she comes back down. She's watching this interchange between the doctor and Max Capricorn. And so she jumps into this little tiny forklift. And then, like, because Max Capricorn's uh, body doesn't seem to be the right word... um, The box that his head is sitting on top of. His housing unit um, (laughs) has wheels on it. And so she uses the forklift to basically push him also into the nuclear reactor, which is also somehow there. Um, And so, again, we see sacrificing myself for the good of the group. And actually, maybe that is a Jesus thing, isn't it? What is? To sacrifice yourself for the good of everyone else. Yes, I believe that it is. (laughs) I mean, sorry, Mom. We're not super religious here on See Next Week in Space. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is what Jesus did. Sacrifice himself. Yeah. Um, So in that sense, maybe it's kind of Christmassy. Um, (laughs) I mean, dark side of Christmas, but yeah. Yeah. So once, once Max is gone... Um, all of this programming that he had run on the angels is somehow, like, deleted. Um, so the remaining angels, this I did like as a shot, the remaining angels pick up the doctor by the arms and, like, kind of fly him up to the bridge, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, so part one of the problem facing the voyage of the dam has been solved now because Max Capricorn is no longer with us. But the Titanic is still sinking and right. about to crash into Earth. So that's like the next problem. It's a pretty big one. It's a big <laughs> one. It, one might say it's even bigger than the previous problem. Yeah. Um, but so then the doctor basically like aims Space Titanic at Buckingham Palace. And I was like, is the Yikes. thing going to hit Buckingham Palace? But then what happens instead? Well, he lifts it. Is that what you mean? Like, when he's able to avoid it. Yeah, well, because he first puts the Space Titanic into a nosedive. And we see it, like, hitting the atmosphere. And, like, you know, as we've seen in many a space movie, when you hit the atmosphere at the wrong angle, you see a bunch of, like, flames, um, Mm -hmm. like, going up the sides, like, um, flames up the side of my face. Uh, (laughs) 
so we see that and then right as he's about right as the space titanic is about to hit buckingham palace he pulls up out of the nosedive Mm -hmm. and we learn that um this particular engine configuration he did that because like the energy generated by hitting the atmosphere kind of kicked the engines back into working Okay. So that was But the shot of him lifting up and like missing Buckingham Palace was a cool shot because it was just a shot of basically a giant Titanic flying over London. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. Um, So then basically crises averted. Um, We return to kind of the reception area and the people who are left are basically like Midshipman Frame, the Doctor, Mr. Cooper, and Rixton Slade, I think, are basically all who's left. Mm-hmm. Um, and as kind of we're learning that, like, oh, the rescue ships have been called, we just kind of have to wait it out, everything will be fine, the Doctor realizes that when Astrid was in that little forklift pushing Max Capricorn into the engine core that she was Mm. still wearing her teleportation bracelet from when they had Mm. gone to Earth. And so he was like, I can pull her back using that teleportation bracelet. And Mr. Cooper is a little bit, or Mr. Copper is a bit skeptical about that. He's like, she's been in, if if her, they don't make it clear if this is a teleporter like, um, the transporter in Star Trek, but that's what I'm mm-hmm. using as my frame of reference, just so you understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Mr. Copper is basically like, her signal's gotten lost, and even if it's somehow still in the system, like in the teleportation system, it's been cycling through too long, so it can't really reconstitute her as an actual human being anymore. Like, that information is lost because of how much time has passed. Um, uh-huh. But the doctor's like, no, 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 I can do something. So he brings her back. He, like, tries to get her signal back to come back into this reception room. And um, does he have any success? Uh, I forget. So Astrid sort of comes back, but she's in a much more ephemeral form. She's, like, all blue... And oh, I forgot this um, oh. And she's just saying, she keeps feeling the experience of her last final moments where she's falling. She Oh, like, yikes. It, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Um, like, the only, like, if there's a certain amount of consciousness left in her, which what that is experiencing is the final moments of her life. And so Mr. Yeah. Copper is like, see, she's not, like, this is cruel. You can't keep recycling through this. Yeah, that is horrifying. That's, like, my hell, I think, actually. Yeah, for sure. Like, feeling like you're falling at all times. Yeah, and not knowing where you are and, like, disorientation. Oh, so, basically, um, the doctor agrees, and he kind of lets her signal dissipate, and then this little blue stuff kind of turns into, like, dust that then floats out the window. And here, the kind of feeling is that she always wanted to see the stars and now she's going to experience them in this new kind of altered state, which is That's being cute. dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that makes it a little less cute, but got it. Yep. 
And then the final scene, uh, the doctor has taken Mr. Copper down to Earth. Uh, the doctor is collecting the TARDIS, which has, as he predicted, landed on Earth. Um, and he basically says to Mr. Co Mr. Copper, I keep wanting to call him Cooper, but he's Copper, um, <laughs> that uh, the reason he brought him down to Earth was so that he could avoid this uh, jailing punishment that he was talking about earlier for being a fraud. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, um, you know, you sort of know about Earth, so now you can live here. And it's like, you only sort of know about Earth because um, one of the things uh, Mr. Copper says when they land is like, and isn't the UK um, about to be at war with Ham Erica? <laughs> The people of Ham, Erica. Oh, Ham. Oh, my God. Um, and then the doctor rather ominously says, not yet. And I'm like, oh, so we, so maybe we have a war Yikes. with the UK at some point. Um, but basically, uh, Mr. Copper is like, well, what am I supposed to do here? Like, and the doctor's like, do you still have that credit card? And he's like, yeah. And he's <laughs> like, how much money did you put on that? And, mm -hmm. and Mr. Copper is like, I don't know, a million pounds? I didn't, I like, because he has no frame of reference for anything. And when yeah. the doctor hears that, he's like, you don't need anything else. You can just live on this credit card indefinitely. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there were two things that I thought as a result of this. First of all, um, I was like very, as someone with credit card debt now, I was like, but... That's the limit. He still has to pay some amount every month. Yeah, that's not or in, well. It's not just like is it a credit card or is it a debit card? They said specifically credit card. Okay, um, then yeah, that's not how that works. And as so, because I could have a million dollar credit line, and I could I would still get really fucked if I spent it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, and so I was like, but that's not how. No, he has to pay money on that if he's going to, like, a credit line is not, but then I was like, ah, but it's 2007 before the big global financial crisis of 2008, and that is exactly how oh people God. thought about credit cards back then. It was like, free fucking money, babe, like, go for it, that go is... wild. Oh my God, that is, yikes. But in the realm of this whole thing, what was, again, this is, telling us about this culture on Stowe, such as it is. Because Mr. Copper is like, you mean I'm not poor anymore? And he's like, no, not only are you not poor, you're, like, wealthy. And he kind of, like, tears up. He's like, he can't believe it. He's like, you mean I can, like, own my own home and, like, do... He, sa he says these things that are quite, actually, kind of mundane. Um, mm -hmm. That he's never been able to do uh, on Stowe. And so that I was like, wow, like so much of what's happening here is like kind of wild. Um, but so that's what Mr. Copper gets to escape the law and live on Earth um, among us somewhere. Maybe he's still alive. Uh, and basically, I think maybe the final line of the show is like uh, the doctor saying like, Merry Christmas, Mr. Copper, and getting into the TARDIS. And that is it. Yeah. Um, yeah, real, like, whirlwind ride. Journey. <laughs> uh, journey and a half, for sure. Um, so, let's just 
kick it with yawns and eye rolls. Yeah. Uh, in terms of yawns, one yawn being like, um, this was great. No complaints. Um, and ten yawns being like, oh boy, like, is this really what you forced me to watch for the Christmas episode, Sarah? What would you give it? <laughs> I would say I might do like a three or four because I definitely like lost track in the middle when it was like lots of like the fighting stuff. Um, And I definitely lost track of like the story at that point. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, like three, four, not not that boring. Just it lost me a little bit in the middle like most things do. Yeah, I would give it a two mainly because... I did feel, like, as I said at the beginning, there's quite a lot of time for not a lot of yeah. stuff happening. So I think yeah. I would have, pref- like, if it if they had could have shaved it down to just a solid 60 minutes, I would yeah. have liked that a bit better. So that's yeah. why I'm giving a two. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is, um, I bought everything. No <laughs> follow-up questions. Uh, and ten eye rolls is like, uh, this is so beyond what I'm capable of believing, 10. <laughs> what would you give it? Well, I will say I don't, I still qu- don't quite understand the Doctor Who universe. Like, I don't quite get it. And that's okay. That's my yeah. thing. It's not the well, show's thing. It's just like, fairness, I don't, it doesn't quite compute for me. Yeah, and in fairness, I think, only familiarity with the Christmas episodes are not going to give you that like, okay, backstory good. kind of thing. Then maybe that makes me feel better. Not really about that for the Christmas episodes. Okay. Well, with that in mind, I would say, I roll wise, like, I'll just say, like, down the middle, I'll say five because I don't quite understand this world. <laughs> but for the world that it seems like it is, it's not. There's nothing so crazy about what's going on. Yeah, I agree with you. I would say, again, it's the Christmas episode. I think it's meant to be a little bit more um, universally appealing than, like, an average Doctor Who episode is meant to do. Um, So it's very middle of the road. So I am also going to give it a five. Um, Okay. Because, yeah, it's certainly in terms of science fiction, there is no new ground yeah being broken here or anything um so then finally uh did you like this and would you recommend it uh yeah I liked it fine I thought it's it's enjoyable um yeah I would like I would maybe again same as you shave off a couple minutes if it could um but yeah I I found it enjoyable and yeah I'd recommend it Uh, maybe to like a specific, again, a specific group who I know might enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, there's nothing like, yeah, I'd recommend it. I mean, it's fun. It's British. It's Christmas. It's like, whatever. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I also, um, I think I preferred the one we watched last year more. Like, this one is okay, but I think I liked that other one better. Um, but I would still... I still liked it, and I still would recommend yeah. it. Um, if for nothing else, then the novelty of Kylie Minogue unto Totally. Um, yeah, totally. And she did a great job. I know I said at the top, but she really did, I think, hold her own in terms of the acting. So For sure. And also, it's like the Titanic thing. I kind of get a kick out of that. And yeah, so I liked that whole I liked that whole jazz. The premise I was into is that. clever. So I yeah. say give it a try. 
So, yeah. um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to us yet another year. We wish you all the best um, on this Christmas Thank you for Eve. indulging our Christmas uh, festivities, I guess you could say. Yes, uh, we, we really put you through maybe kind of a lot this season in our Christmas <laughs> series. Um, but it has been a wonder and a pleasure um, and we are very grateful to you for listening and we wish you all of the best, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. Um, yep. and we will see you next week as we prepare to bid farewell to the dumpster fire that has been 2021. Um, yep. and yeah, that's it. I am Sarah. <laughs> I'm here with Amy and we will see you next week in space. Ooh, Merry Christmas. Ooh, what's a spooky Christmas thing to say? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.